Hi. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Um, this morning, I am here to talk about joy. For those of you who are new with us, my name is Misty. Hi. Welcome. Hi, Naomi. So, I, I meant to have a pink background on this because today, one of the things, first and foremost, that I wanted to share with you um, is that this, this Sunday in the season of Advent is called Gaudete. Say it with me, Gaudete. What's that mean, Misty? Rejoice ye. Rejoice ye. Yeah, we don't use this word anymore. Um, Gaudete is the word, that's a very old word, um, that gives us the word that we use now for joy. Um, and so the Sunday is called Gaudete Sunday, which is Rejoice Sunday. Um, and it happens every third Sunday during the season of Advent. And the color for the Sundays, you may have noticed, is pink. I don't particularly like pink either, Deborah. <laughs> um, oh, thank you. Pink. Um, lovely. <laughs> so pink. Oh my gosh. I'm just surrounded by pink right now. It's a little overwhelming, actually. Um, I, this is totally a side note. I used to do floor time, which is play therapy with kids on the uh, with autism spectrum disorders. And this one little gal that I saw, she loved pink so much. And and I was like, one day I was like, why do you like pink so much? Because I didn't understand. And she said, because it fills me with joy. <laughs> and it was like, so that's what I think of every like so angry. She was so. She just had so much in her. Um, so apparently, I guess there are like studies that they've done that say that pink actually makes people feel better, which I did not know. Um, anyway, but so <laughs> pink this Sunday is actually, many of us might think it's, whose color would you think pink is in the Advent season? Anybody? Mary? Mary, no, no, pink, uh, we've kind of turned it into the Mary Sunday, and we frequently read the Magnificat, which I will read in a little while, and I, it's a good reminder because I forgot my Bible, um, but this, ooh, the color pink is used to represent John the Baptist, so if you look at old art, like really old art. Um, Mary is typically robed in blue, and because she's royal, she's the mother of God, the mother of Jesus. But John the Baptist might be wearing, might look red, but it's supposed to be pink, um, because he is the one who beckons joy into the world. He's the one who says, prepare the way. I am preparing the way for the one who will come, who's going to change everything. And John the Baptist is weird. And that's about all I have to say about John the Baptist this morning. <laughs> um, I thought I would invite you all to, in, in particularly joyful fashion, um, thank you, Carolyn, for your encouragement, to stand. 
and lift your hands as high as you can without hurting yourself. It's a nice, yeah, our little yoga stretches, right? Um, while I read the Gaudete song, I was going to play it for you, but it was a little longer than it took me to read it. So rejoice, rejoice. Christ is born of the Virgin Mary. Rejoice. The time of grace has come, what we have wished for. Songs of joy, let us give back faithfully. God has become human with all nature marveling. The world has been renewed by the reigning Christ. We close the gate, oh, the closed gate of Ezekiel is passed through. Whence the light is risen, salvation has been found. Therefore, let our assembly now sing, even though we're not going to sing, in brightness, let it bless the Lord, salvation to our God. Amen. Rejoice ye. <laughs> Thank you. Do you all feel like a little more joyful, maybe? Kind of strange how that happens. Um, one of the things I was thinking about, this is another side note, before I move into Mary's song, um, while we were singing, find peace all my mind, I was thinking, oh, and my body needs to find peace too. And so I was thinking, it was in my mind, and then I was starting to feel my body, and then I remembered my beans that were on the stove that are now burnt, because I forgot them earlier. <laughs> but I remembered. So thank you for that song. Just thought I would share that <laughs> with you all. Only, there's like only a layer of burnt. The stuff that was on top of the burnt layer is okay. So if you're in diaconal and you're coming to the party, I hope you enjoy my beans. <laughs> that was for you guys. Um, so this morning I'm going to read Mary's story. Am I doing it right? Oh, I forgot something else. Um, while I read Mary's story, I don't know if we'll have time. We might have time later. But I wanted to share that while I've been planning my sermon on joy, I started asking people, all kinds of people, people I work with, people I don't know. I mean, I don't know a lot of people I work with, but like strangers, you know, um, and friends too. What does joy mean to you? How might you describe joy? And when was the last time you experienced joy? Um, and I'll get back to this in a minute. So I'm going to read Mary's story. And it's found this morning in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 39 and following. Mary got up and hurried to a city in the Judean highlands. She entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she blurted out, God has blessed you above all women, and God has blessed the child you carry. Why do I have this honor that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises made to her. So this is just Elizabeth greeting Mary. She's old and pregnant, which was a surprise. 
And Mary, her cousin, comes, which is not surprising that a cousin might visit you. But Elizabeth blurted out. I love that she just blurted it out. Anybody know what that's like? My beans. And then Mary said, With all my heart I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God my Savior. God has looked with favor on the low status of this servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored. Because the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is God's name. God shows mercy to everyone, from one generation to the next, who honors him as God. God has shown strength with God's arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. God has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, just as he promised to our ancestors and to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. And then Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned to her home. And then when it came time for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a boy, John the Baptist, who we remember today in pink. Her neighbors and relatives celebrated with her because they had heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so Mary... Elizabeth responded with joy. Um, And part of that is because children are exceedingly joyful things in our lives and exceedingly infuriating sometimes, um, which I think is also a part of joy. Um, This morning, Ben asked me what I wanted you to remember when you left, Ben's my husband, and I said, I don't know. But then I said, no, I do know. Um, This morning, as you remember the story of Mary and John the Baptist and Elizabeth, remember, and Carolyn's story, and lots of other stories that you may be thinking of, remember that joy is not dependent upon circumstance. Joy is an action and a response. It is not something that we can own or control or manipulate. As a fruit of the wild spirit of God, joy is something that we receive and don't hold on to, but give back to God and give to others around us. Just as Mary said, the hungry will be fed and the rich will leave empty-handed. We give joy and we receive joy because God has given it to us, not because it's something we have to claim for our own. But like Carolyn said, it's here, right now. I wanted to talk about these gals. I didn't have anything to say, though, so I was going to have it in my PowerPoint and then take it out. But here they are. Um, This week, this week, does anybody know what feast was celebrated this week in the, the story of the saints? Yes, the Virgin de Guadalupe. Um, And do you remember her name? I think I wrote it down. The artist, this artist is Yolanda M. Lopez. 
And she is um, the woman in the middle. And she loves Mary. And she loves Jesus. And she loves the story of Mary, who reminds us to respond with joy and gratitude to God. And so she wanted to think of a new modern version, vision of Mary. So she painted herself as Mary, running and, and holding the pink on her body, the joy of the Lord. But then she also painted her mom doing the work that she does in the world as Mary in the world, and her grandma. Um, and the snake, I don't know if we can see in all of the pictures, but the snake that she's holding, that the Virgin de Guadalupe um, is holding or has crushed, is a reminder that the Queen of Heaven in Revelation has crushed evil. Um, and so that evil doesn't have the last word, and death does not have the last word. And so this gives me joy. I don't know <laughs> what I have to say about that today. Thank you. Um, so, So the passage that I preached from, or that I read from, was Luke 39 through 58. That's the Magnificat, the story of Mary and Elizabeth. But another passage that I want to draw your attention to is from Deuteronomy 26. And Mary was living in a world that was Jewish. And she had been trained because of her people, because of who God was with them, to respond joyfully, to respond in joy and to rejoice. Um, because at the same time that we read the story of joy, which we might think of as happiness or gladness, as Naomi mentioned last week during prayer, Mary lived in a world that had very different ideas about maternal health and childbirth. Um, it is said that the babies in the ancient world who even made it to birth, of those babies, perhaps 50% of those children would live to puberty. So Mary herself was a sign of hope in a world that children did not live. So prophecies about childbirth or yet-to-be-born babies like John and Jesus were not something to be taken lightly. So her joy is an action and a response and a hope and a prayer. She may have been terrified, and yet she said, I will respond in joy. And I think one of the things I wanted to make clear this morning is that joy has enough room for fear. Joy and fear, joy holds fear. Joy, joy says, I know that you're afraid. I know that I'm afraid. And yet I will choose to praise God today for a bike. <laughs> I will choose to praise God today for the color pink. <laughs> I will choose to praise God today because I am breathing and I am alive. And I work as a hospital chaplain. Um, and I see a lot of people who end up dying part of what happens in our lives. And I can't tell you the joy that I have experienced by being able to breathe the same air 
as people who know they don't have a day left, who know they don't have an hour left. They choose joy over and over and over and over again. And it baffles me. And people say, Misty, how do you do your job? And I say, how, I don't even, how do I not do my job? I get to hug people for a living. <laughs> and so it's joyful. It's not necessarily happy. It's not necessarily gladness. But it's joyful. Um, and so I wanted to remember and invite all of us to remember that suffering is also wrapped up in joy. In godly play, the kids are reminded at the end of the time in the desert, which was pretty intense suffering, they've fled Egypt, they're no longer slaves. And at the end of the story, we have our little, our little hands up in the air gal. <laughs> and we say, Miriam led the dancing. And like Carolyn reminded us, Maybe Miriam didn't feel very good. Maybe she was really sad. Maybe a lot of people she knew had died. But she led the dancing anyway, because it was what you were supposed to do, and it was what she chose to do. And maybe the dancing helped. In trauma therapy, we talk a lot about shaking it out and how dancing can be incredibly powerful and movement can be incredibly, incredibly powerful to release those feelings of sorrow and shame. And so Miriam's dance reminds us that there is enough space and joy for dancing and for tears. There's enough space and joy for laughing, for crying. Joy is hugging because you're glad, and joy is hugging because you are devastated. Joy is a lot of things. And joy, well, I just said joy is a lot of things. I don't think joy is a thing, right? We feel glad, we feel sad. I have a friend who says, do you feel mad, glad, sad, afraid, ashamed, afraid? Uh, you can name all of the feelings. But joy is something that's more than a feeling. There's probably a song going through our heads right now. Um, What's that love is a verb song? <laughs> joy, I think, is a verb, too. Joy is something that we do feel and we do experience, but it's also, like Carolyn said, it's already out ahead of us, and it might surprise us. We might suddenly feel joyful, and we might feel bad for feeling joyful. You know, when a child does something in a totally inappropriate way, in a totally inappropriate space, and everyone just, we feel joyful. You can't help it, because they didn't know. They didn't know. So we feel joy, and we are commanded to feel joy. Scripture, over and over and over again, says rejoice. Rejoice, and we rejoice not because we feel like rejoicing, but we rejoice because God is good, amen? We rejoice because God is good. We rejoice because God is good and because God chooses to dwell with us and God chooses to dwell in us and because God loves us.
And sometimes I don't feel that love. Sometimes I don't feel that closeness. And we're in community because we can help one another remember. Sometimes we need a hug. And so I might hug a stranger or I might hug a friend. And who knows what was needed in that moment. But we pray that God will be with us. We pray that God will be in those moments. And we trust that because God, who created the whole earth and the whole world, who hovered over the waters of chaos and breathed life into dust and made us and breathes in us, we trust that God will be in those hugs and in those tears and that the joy will be the outpouring of our connections with one another. One of the other things that came up when I started asking people about what joy is, was time. And that we don't have any control over it. As I noted, I, I spoke with a bunch of people, and two people in particular, one Missy Griffin, thank you Missy, and Tamara Wheeler, who can't be here today. Tamara, if you're listening, hi, we love you, um, <laughs> and we miss you. But I asked them because of their emails. So Tamara's old email address was joyfully ever after, and Missy's email salutation signature is dancing with joy and anybody who's gotten an email from Missy knows that it's going to be signed dancing with joy and she said I could talk about this. So. Uh, thank you Missy and um, we talked about whether it's like appropriate to have your email signature be dancing with joy in every context and one of the things that I shared was that you know we were sending some particularly weighty emails about a particularly weighty topic, and Missy's signature line was dancing with joy. And that reminded me of Miriam dancing with joy at the end of the time of slavery in Egypt. And I thought, of course we dance. And we dance with joy, because God gives us joy, and because God is with us. And God is dancing among us in our hearts and our minds. So Missy and I continued to talk about ways that we have experienced joy and God's presence. And Pat was one of those people. I don't know if you've experienced joy with Pat. I think if you've maybe hung out with her, if you've hung out with Pat, raise your hand. Has anybody experienced joy hanging out with Pat? Me too. Thanks, Pat. Love you. <laughs> See what I mean? Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, so I think joy surprises us. We can't contain it. We can't control it. Joy is an action, and joy is a response. Joy is not something that we can manipulate, but it's something we can pray for and invite and observe. It's something that we feel deeply in ourselves that sometimes we don't have words for. 
It might be why we cry all of a sudden when we're listening to a song or when we're watching a movie or see a picture or who knows what. It could be anything. But I think that's joy. Joy is present with us when we grieve. And joy is an invitation to praise God in the midst of all of the things that burden us and that cause us pain. Evelyn Underhill, who is a woman who talks a lot about prayer. She's not alive anymore. She, I think she wrote in like the 19th century. Um, when I was younger, I learned, and at the church I grew up in, I was taught that prayer is so important. And I was taught that it was like the most important thing we can do. And I think that's nuanced now. I think that prayer is a really important thing we can do. First um, Thessalonians says to pray continuously. It says rejoice always, pray continuously. And there's another one. I don't remember what it is. Someone else will tell me. And give thanks. That's what it is. Thank you, Kelly. It's about gratitude. So rejoice always, pray continuously, and give thanks in all circumstances. And that's like not something that feels maybe like doable a lot of the time, I think. Um, and it's not a list to hurt yourself against, but it's an invitation to rejoice always, to pray continuously, and to give thanks. And so Evelyn Underhill, wrote this lovely little book on the fruits of the spirit. Um, she recognizes, like Carolyn said, she likes the fruits of the spirit, and that there's a particular order to them. So she says that joy is not present without love. We rejoice because of our love for God, because we desire love for God, and rejoicing helps us love God and it helps us remember God's love for us. So it's this like, just vicious circle of return of love. She says that Mary's joy is unearthly delight in God's action. And Mary's joy reflects the privilege of being caught up into God's action, whatever the cost may be. We don't get to decide. We don't get to control the future. We don't get to fix things. We just choose to say yes to God. It's our every day, every moment, every second yes to God, regardless of the cost. And who may, we may never know what that cost is, but our choosing to say yes and our choosing to be joyful and to pray continuously and to give thanks is what we're invited into. Welcome, friends. Um, Evelyn continues, real joy is all about God, and real love is all about God, and real peace is all about God. She says they are not attributes of a cozy religion. They mean our total loving acceptance of the deep action of God through and beyond our small lives. She says that means joy and peace and the reward of self-oblivion, which we can talk about later, dropping all considerations of holes in our stockings, she's writing a long time ago, holes in our socks, maybe our pants, 
Um, the imperfection of our character, the poverty of our prayers, and the uselessness of our lives are all wrapped up in giving ourselves with heart and mind to adoring delight and joy in the beauty of God. Amen. So as we come, is everyone here? No. Well, I'll read my favorite phrase again so that you can go home remembering it. Joy is an action, and joy is a response. It is not something that we can own or control or manipulate. As a fruit of the wild spirit of God, joy is something that we receive and don't hold on too tightly, but give back to God and give back to others around us. little bit of joy. Um, and, and one final thing I wanted to say, and I was like hoping it would happen when the kids came in, um, but a friend of mine talked about joy recently as receiving children and remembering what it's like to care for children and noticing children. And I want to push it just a little bit further to say that joy reminds us that we are children, that we are God's children, always, whether we're just tiny, tiny little babies or 107 years old or older. You are always God's child. So the invitation to have the faith of a child and the joy that we see so frequently in the lives of children is available to us in each moment as we seek to rejoice always and pray continuously and give thanks in everything. So as we continue to think, I, I just, yeah, as you continue to think about joy this week, I encourage you to rejoice, whatever that looks like. Rejoice, dance, just pretend <laughs> and see what happens. Um, in practicing these things, we get better at them. I have a friend who told me I'm really undisciplined, and I think they were right. Um, but I think if I am disciplined in anything, it's practicing joy. and so. I hope that I hope that this joy will be contagious and that the joy that you practice and that the joy that you find in your lives will continue to fill you and to fill those around you because that is the gift of God. Amen. Amen. And so Jesus on the night he was betrayed In probably a strange sense of joy, he was, he was praising God. He was thanking God for the food and for the people he was with. In, in knowing that he was going to suffer, he took bread and he broke it and he said, whatever you do this, do this in remembrance of me until I return. 
He said, this is my body broken for you, which we receive with joy. And he took the cup, and there's a cup of joy um, in Psalm 23. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. And so today we remember that our cup of joy overflows, not because we fill it, but because God does. And at that meal, Jesus blessed the wine, and he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant shed for you. Whenever you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. So today we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit will fill us with joy, will surround us with joy, and that our cups will overflow with joy, and that your body and your blood will be a reminder to each of us and to all those that we meet that your joy is sufficient and that your love is present. Amen. <laughs>